Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. The United States Commission on International Religious Freedom published an in-depth report this week examining threats to religious properties in Turkey, including places of worship, religious institutions, and cemeteries. This research looks at various threats and attacks over the last two decades and documents whether assailants were brought to justice. It also investigates the role of Turkish authorities in the protection of religious sites and the impact of government action, indifference, and negligence. Dr. Tuba Tanyeri Erdemir, the author of this report, joins me to discuss the threats to religious sites in Turkey and break down how they impact religious groups across the country. Dr. Tuba Tanyeri Erdemir is the coordinator of Anti-Defamation League's Task Force on Middle East Minorities. She is also a non-resident scholar at the Middle East Institute and the co-chair of International Religious Freedom Roundtable's Middle East Working Group. Dr. Tanyeri Erdemir's research focuses on minority rights in the Middle East, heritage management of sacred sites, converted and contested religious buildings, and reutilization and museumification of religious heritage. The views expressed in this interview are the speaker's own and do not reflect the views of USERF. Tuba, great having you back on The Greek Current. Great to be back. Thank you. Tuba, you just published an in-depth report for USERF examining the threats to religious sites in Turkey. We've often spoken about religious freedom and religious minorities in Turkey on this podcast and together in the past. You know, why is it so important to focus on the religious sites themselves? Let me first start by thanking USERF and their dedicated staff for realizing the importance of documenting and understanding the nature of attacks on religious sites, cemeteries and religious institutions, and dedicating the funds for such a project. On the outset, let me also say, although my name is the only name on this report, we worked with a very capable team in Turkey who prefer to remain anonymous for their own safety. And I would like to publicly thank them for all their hard work in this report, too. Let me get to your question. In many ways, uh, religious minorities are canneries in a coal mine. The attacks on them actually reflects on the state of equal citizenship and democracy in any given country, whether or not they have the same rights and protections as every other citizen in that country. And documenting attacks on religious sites is one way of understanding some of the challenges that religious and non-believer communities face. That being said, let me also underline that in this report, we looked at attacks on religious sites of all communities, including majority and minority and non-believer communities, And this also brings an important perspective. We were able to compare and contrast the different types of attacks, what were common to all communities, and whether or not some commu communities faced uh, different challenges. In your report, you document an alarming increase, Tuba, in the frequency of threats and attacks against places of worship and religious sites since 2015 in Turkey. What are the main threats facing these religious sites today? There is a significant uptick in the number of vandalisms, threats, and physical attacks, either on the religious sites, cemeteries, or institutions themselves, or on the communities that worship there. This kind of marks a significant difference from the violent attacks of early 2000s, like the synagogue bombings and brutal murders of employees of a Christian publishing house. While there is a decrease in these episodes of violent attacks, there is a marked increase in the number and frequency of vandalism, threats, and destruction of property and arson. 
Let me also point out another trend that we were able to illustrate. In many cases, the authorities fail to prosecute a wide array of vandalism cases. This is either because the assailants are not identified, and in the cases which they are caught, the authorities drop the charges if they apologize, or they may receive minimum sentences or no sentence due to factors like their age, some of them are underage, or their mental state. In many cases, it is very hard for the communities to properly report the crimes and demand for justice. Especially minority communities are particularly cautious and sometimes even reluctant in reporting these crimes. Individuals may prefer not to report because of fears of ostracization or that authorities will not take the crime or threat seriously, or as a victim they fear they might face further harassment and marginalization. Uh, The police officers are the first responders to the crimes, and they may also need further training to recognize the signs of hate crimes. If an attack is classified as a hate crime, and many on religious sites, by their nature, are hate crimes, the Turkish Criminal Code demands a prison sentence up to 12 years. In our media survey, we were able to show that only in a small fraction of documented attacks, the assailants were caught. And within this small fraction, only 25% was reported to have received a sentence. I would say the impunity given to these crimes is one of the biggest threats to religious sites and communities. This culture of impunity endangers not only worship halls and institutions, but also threatens the individual's right to freely practice their beliefs. I want to stick with this culture of impunity that you highlight. You know, we've seen politicians like President Erdogan in the past make inflammatory statements, calling minorities, to quote him, remnants of the sword, while the government often, as you mentioned, turns a blind eye to some of these acts Is Turkey's political class complicit in creating this culture of impunity? Hate speech of all sorts creates a precarious environment for religious minorities and their worshippers. And this is especially important if it comes from the very top levels of the government. It perpetuates a precarious environment. Many non-Muslim and non-Sunni communities spend significant amounts of funds to invest in cameras and security systems to protect their religious sites and institutions. It is alarming that they feel this insecurity. And yes, the culture of impunity is a great component of that. And the culture of impunity kind of perpetuates these acts. And the discourse coming out from politicians is an important factor. But let me actually tell you about a positive finding that we had. In many of our interviews, the community representatives indicated that they worked closely with security forces. When and if the state receives information of a possible threat on a religious site, they warn the community and take precautions. That might actually be one of the reasons why we see kind of like a significant decrease in the more violent crimes that the state is watching for, but an increase in relatively minor crimes such as vandalism, destruction of property, you know, threats that is kind of fueled by hate speech coming from all sides. In your report, Tuba, you specifically sound the alarm over treasure hunting. How widespread is this phenomenon and why is it such a threat to non-Muslim historical religious sites? 
Because I'm sure we're not talking about Indiana Jones characters. <laughs> um, as you know, I am trained as an archaeologist. And I can attest to the fact that treasure hunting and illicit excavations of all sorts is a great threat to heritage of all kinds. However, during our fieldwork, our teams saw how normalized, how destructive, and how widespread treasure hunting was all across Turkey. Although illicit excavations are a threat to all sites of heritage, treasure hunting is especially destructive for non-Muslim religious heritage, especially in rural areas. We were shocked, for instance, when our teams were talking to local authorities in certain cases to kind of ask them which historic churches and monasteries and synagogues they should go and visit, the authorities told them to contact local treasure hunters, which obviously we did not under any circumstance. But there was this kind of feeling that the treasure hunters are the ones who would know these places best because this is where they do illicit digging. Why is this finding so important? Although in this report, we focused mostly on attacks on religious communities and their active places of worship or institutions, Turkey has an incredibly rich religious heritage, Christian, Muslim, Jewish. Thousands of churches, for instance, were left without their congregations, without their communities, following the population exchange between Greece and Turkey and the Armenian Genocide. On the one hand, religious communities, globally dispersed or in Turkey, still have a strong emotional connection to these sites. This is their heritage. On the other, these sites are critical in showing the historic presence and memory of these communities in this geography. Their protection is important, and treasure hunting, as we have seen in this work, is one of the most destructive practices for them. Looking ahead, Tuba, how can these religious sites, which, as you've pointed out, are critical to not only the religious practice of minority groups in Turkey, but also their survival, be not only protected, but allowed to flourish? Structural changes are must. This was one point that many communities, Jewish, Christian, and Muslim, stated to us when they were talking about their problems, especially a structural change in the general directorate of foundations. And let me kind of highlight why this is critical. In Turkey, each non-Muslim community is organized around their pious foundations. Most of these foundations are organized around their churches, but also include institutions of education and philanthropic institutions. They are also the institutions that are critical for generating revenue for the religious community. Those revenues include maintenance and upkeep of their religious structures, paying bills, paying for the salary of clergy, and keeping their educational institutions running, and as we found out in this survey, for instance, installing security measures for their places of worship and their institutions. Each foundation has a board of trustees, and these people are responsible for basically keeping the foundations open and running. And it was clear to us that this structure is becoming more and more hard for the individuals to make sure the system is running. And this is a huge responsibility and very taxing for the communities as it is. If for whatever reason a foundation is declared defunct, 
The reasons could include failing to file the annual paperwork or not having enough board meetings per year, uh, so on and so forth. The foundation could be uh, declared defunct. And in certain cases, even without the community's knowledge, the foundation could be taken away from the community and given to the general directorate of foundations. This is actually kind of one of the ways that government confiscations of religious properties take place. And property confiscation has a very significant financial dimension that communities cannot have the necessary funds to look after their worship halls and institutions. So it becomes a vicious cycle. And it is actually a very concerning point. Tuba, is this an area where you see space for U.S. and European policymakers to be able to make a difference? Absolutely. So there are uh, a couple of suggestions that we would highlight. One of them is for EU and the U.S. to support civil society organizations, research centers, and other initiatives working with religious minority communities to carry out archival research and to identify records for reclaiming religious properties seized by the state. It is important to support these institutions and programs that offer legal assistance to religious minority communities that seek the restitution of their religious properties. So this is a very important area that US and EU can contribute to. Also, from a more policy level, we would ask the authorities to urge the Turkish government to implement changes to the regulations and administrative practices of the General Directorate of Foundations, as recommended by the minority communities to ensure that the communities can maintain their religious sites, places of worship, institutions, and cemeteries without facing confiscation. One other thing that came across as a very important finding in this report was how restoration of religious heritage had a positive impact in kind of like amends-making and peacemaking. So I would also support institutions in the United States and EU to support the restoration of religious heritage by government agencies and by religious communities themselves. Advise the Turkish government not to impede restoration projects carried out by religious communities and support restoration initiatives that promote coexistence and interfaith dialogue. Tuba, thanks for joining. Always great speaking with you. Thank you so much, Thanos. Always great to be here. In other news, thousands of people marched through Athens on Friday to mark the 50th anniversary of a pro-democracy student uprising that was violently put down by the military dictatorship in 1973. The Polytechnic Uprising, which came a year before the collapse of the dictatorship, was crushed by the Greek military and security forces who used a tank to smash through the campus gates. Prime Minister Mitsotakis described the events as a beacon illuminating the path towards a more open and democratic society. In a post, President Sakelaropoulou stated that it is our responsibility to protect democracy today with the same passion and unwavering determination exhibited by those resilient young people 50 years ago. Finally, Turkish President Erdogan traded barbs with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz over the Israel-Hamas war on Friday evening, at one point suggesting Germany won't criticize Israel because of the Holocaust. Scholz stressed that Israel's right to self-defense must not be called into question, whereas Erdogan continued his sharp criticism of Israel's ongoing offensive in Gaza. Asked about a potential German blockade of the sale of Eurofighter jets to Turkey, 
Erdogan said there are many countries that manufacture fighter aircraft, not just Germany, only to then attack the journalist who asked about such a potential export ban. Scholz did not answer whether he would ban the arms export of the Eurofighter. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.